This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the conservative majority on the Florida Supreme Court has rejected a constitutional amendment that would have legalized the recreational use of marijuana. It's the second pro-pot amendment ditched by the high court over the past two months. The man who used to serve as Florida's chief science officer says that more than 200 million gallons of wastewater from Piney Point that ended up in Tampa Bay is not the cause of a red tide outbreak along the beaches of Pinellas County. What's on a lot of people's mind is, you know, did Piney Point, for example, cause this red tide? And the answer to that is no, it didn't. It may not have been the cause, but Dr. Tom Fraser says the discharges from Piney Point certainly made the red tide worse. Once again, Ron DeSantis refuses to say whether he believes last year's election was rigged against Donald Trump. I think we did the best, and I think that we're staying ahead of the curve. So my message to Floridians is uh, you know, your vote counts here. Uh, it's important, and, and don't let anyone tell you that, that, that the vote doesn't count. The governor answered, but his answer had nothing to do with the question. The woman who wants to replace DeSantis next year, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, is holding a news conference today to talk about an investigation of a Texas charity involved in conspiracy theories related to the election. Another Democratic rival, Congressman Charlie Crist, is also holding a press conference today where he will ask DeSantis to investigate Florida's ties to the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. One more week. That's all that's left of the federal unemployment benefits that have been helping Floridians during the COVID crisis. The state is dropping out of the program two months early because business leaders claim people won't work while those $300 per week federal benefits are available. Discontinuing that subsidy is going to encourage folks to get back to work, which is what's best for for not only those individuals, but what's best for our, our economy and our state. I think that when we have the conversation about folks uh, not being able to, you know, employ people, I think that we have to start that conversation with paying folks a living wage. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the stories of a Florida man stealing from sick kids and a Florida couple busted after, well, shall we say, playing around at a playground. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, June 18th. This is International Panic Day, International Picnic Day, International Sushi Day and National Go Fishing Day. On this day in 1812, the U.S. declared war on Britain. For lack of a better name, it's called the War of 1812, and is sometimes known as America's Second War of Independence. In 1873, Susan B. Anthony was fined 100 bucks for voting for president in New York. She refused to pay. In 1959, Louisiana Governor Earl Long was committed to a state mental hospital. He responded by having the hospital's director fired and replaced with a crony, who proceeded to proclaim the governor was perfectly sane. And on this date in 1983, Space Shuttle Challenger was launched from Cape Canaveral with Sally Ride, the first American woman in space. For the second time in two months, the Florida Supreme Court has rejected a proposed constitutional amendment that would have allowed people to use recreational marijuana. In a 5-2 decision, the High Court says the legalization amendment drafted by the Sensible Florida Committee was deceptive because the official summary says the measure would regulate marijuana, quote, for limited use and growing by people 21 and older. The court says that's misleading because the amendment would not impose any limits on the personal use of marijuana. The court also voted back in April to strike down a separate marijuana legalization amendment, sponsored by a political committee known as Make It Legal Florida. The state health department is releasing the weekly report on COVID casualties today. It's been two weeks since the governor decided to release those numbers once a week instead of once a day, but there are other ways to find the information. Did you know that Florida reported more new COVID cases Wednesday than any other state? Or that Florida had the second highest death toll on that same day? 
Only Georgia reported more fatalities. Congressman Charlie Crist, who is running for governor, is holding a press conference at 10 this morning to call on Governor DeSantis to investigate Florida's connection to the Capitol insurrection of January 6th. Florida leads the nation with 47 residents facing charges from Insurrection Day. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed is scheduled a press conference today to talk about an investigation into a charity group called Defending the Republic. Her office regulates charities in Florida. Defending the Republic is a Texas-based organization affiliated with Sidney Powell, a former attorney for Donald Trump, and was established as a legal fund involving conspiracy theories related to last year's presidential election. The governor is refusing to say whether he buys the story peddled by Trump that last year's election was rigged to put Joe Biden in the White House. Ron DeSantis has been asked this before and has never given a straight answer. But reporter Gary Finout with Politico Florida gave it another shot Thursday after the governor moderated a roundtable discussion about Red Tide. There's a question I tried to ask you a couple of months ago that I was not able to get an answer. I just want to ask you again uh, directly, do you believe that the 2020 presidential election was rigged? I think we had the best run election in this state that we probably ever have. Um, I'm proud of what they did. And look, I mean, obviously we had to do some things at the state level. I mean, I had to make some changes when I first came into office. I think those were long overdue changes. I think they were effective changes. Uh, we did not throw out our whole system because of COVID. We basically continued with what we were doing. Um, and I think it was very transparent, very efficient. And so I think what we did is important because when you look at things like Zuckerbucks, uh, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to basically run elections in different parts of the country. Some of these supervisors want those Zuckerbucks. I don't want the Zuckerbucks in Florida, um, but I think that that was, that was very shady how that was done. So we banned that. I think some of this ballot harvesting that you see across the country is a huge, huge problem. So we're able to ban that. Um, so I think we did the best. And I think that we're staying ahead of the curve. So my message to Floridians is uh, you know, your vote counts here. Uh, it's important. And, and don't let anyone tell you that, that, that the vote doesn't count. Uh, so we're proud of what we did. But okay, one more. It was a good try, Gary, but I doubt we will ever get a straight answer on whether the governor believes the election was rigged. You see, if DeSantis says no, he angers Trump and his fervent supporters. If he says yes, then everyone knows the governor has embraced the lunacy. Democrats in the Florida Senate are asking the governor to reconsider his decision to send Florida law enforcement officers to patrol the Mexican border. They say those cops are needed here to deal with a spike in gun violence and should not be diverted for a political stunt. A Florida man who used to serve as chief science officer for the state says a leak in the wastewater reservoir at the old Piney Point Phosphate plant in Manatee County is not the cause of a red tide outbreak this week along the beaches of Pinellas County. But Dr. Tom Fraser, who is now the dean at the University of South Florida College of Marine Science, says all that contaminated water released from Piney Point made the outbreak worse by dumping more nutrients into Tampa Bay. I don't think that the red tide was originated as a consequence of Piney Point, right? So um, one of the things that we saw with the red tide early on was that it was south of the discharge area, but the, the, the red tide continued to kind of migrate or move northward and into lower Tampa Bay. And it's quite possible um, that uh, nutrients, recycled nutrients in the system as a result of the Piney Point could have contributed to that. But there are a large number of nutrient sources along the coast. And again, we try to address a lot of those nutrient sources, but there are, there are septic tanks, there are uh, you know, aging stormwater systems and uh, fertilizers from, from both uh, uh, agricultural use as well as residential use that can contribute uh, to um, 
nutrients in the system that can ultimately sustain and fuel those blooms, right? So Piney Point didn't cause it, but I didn't say it couldn't, it didn't necessarily contribute to um, uh, a subsequent high levels of, of red tide for a short period of time. Dr. Michael Crosby at the Moat Marine Laboratory in Sarasota says most of the nutrients that cause a red tide bloom come from nature, not from humans. The total nitrogen pool in estuarian coastal waters that is available for use by any algal species, including red tide, about 95% of that nitrogen pool during these bloom events comes from zooplankton poop and dead fish um, that are decomposing and recycling. So the key to understanding the dynamics of this is this is a naturally high nutrient environment, the coastline of uh, Florida on the Gulf Coast. That's why we have such amazing productivity here. That's why we have great fisheries here. Um, so the cause and effect um, with land-based sources of nutrients causing red tide is not the smoking gun that you point at. Other harmful algal blooms, yes. Red tide, no. Crosby and Fraser were part of a roundtable discussion on red tide hosted by Governor DeSantis, who says Florida has to do a better job telling people where the problem is and where it isn't. Someone will say, "Oh, there's 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 fish or something," you know, and this, and then the the, the someone in Ohio thinks it's like on every Florida beach, and in this day it's just not. I mean, it's just having this information, being able to communicate that, and letting folks know, um, you know, that, um, that 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 these places are open, the hotels, the restaurants, the beaches are open, um, and that if there is an event that affects a particular location, you obviously will have the information on that, but. Um, you, know, you have people thinking because you, know, you had something off Sanibel that somehow you couldn't go to St. Augustine or something. Um, and, and so the communication, it, it really, people's jobs depend on, on communicating properly. We are doing better than we ever have done. So we're proud of that, uh, but we also want to make sure that the communication is, um, is good. People have access to the accurate uh, data and, uh, and can be able to govern themselves accordingly. Red tide blooms produce toxins that kill fish, birds, turtles, manatees, even dolphins, and they can poison humans who eat tainted shellfish. Florida's May unemployment numbers are being released today by the Department of Economic Opportunity as time runs out on those $300 per week unemployment payments from Washington. Florida is dropping out of the federal assistance program next week, which means anyone who does manage to qualify for assistance after that will have to get by on some of the lowest benefits in the entire country. State Representative Michelle Rayner of St. Petersburg says the governor's decision to end the federal unemployment payments more than two months early was wrong. I think it's unconscionable. I think that we have folks that are still struggling. I know at least my office is still getting emails from folks who are needing assistance with unemployment, trying to be able to still make ends meet. And so I think right now we're, you know, while we appear to be on the upswing from a pandemic, we still have people who need help. And so, you know, taking that money away from folks who actually need it. And I don't think it's a you know, I've heard the rhetoric, oh, well, you know, if you give people, you know, unemployment, they don't want to work. And, and that's not true. That's not true at all. I think that people have found themselves in situations where they need that help until they're able to bridge the gap and, and, and find uh, employment. So I, at this point in time, I, I feel that it's unconscionable. I feel that, you know, there could have been a better use of of making sure that people are able to be cared for and be able to make it in in, in our state. But State Representative Tracy Coster of Tampa believes those federal unemployment benefits encourage people to stay home instead of rejoining the workforce. 
We need to get people back to work. We need to incentivize people to get back to work. I'm hearing story after story after story of small business owners or, or even large companies that are struggling to rebuild their workforce. They, they are, they're begging for people to come back to work. I, you know, my sister runs three, three franchise restaurants. She's the director of operations and she's doing things like cooking and being a host and waiting tables because she can't, she can't find anybody to get a job. Uh, that come in and work. And so, and I, and I think that's one example of, of many that I've heard. And I think that um, discontinuing that subsidy is going to encourage folks to get back to work, which is what's best for, for not only those individuals, but what's best for our, our economy and our state. One last note on this story, Representative Rayner says there is a better way to get people back to work. It's called paying them a living wage. Your calendar of events, the Medicaid, Pharmaceutical, and Therapeutics Committee meets online at 8.30. The Council of Presidents of the Florida College System meets at 9 in Kissimmee. The Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council meets at 9.30 in Stewart. The Department of Economic Opportunity releases the unemployment numbers at 10. Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas holds a press conference at 10.30 in Fort Myers to highlight an urban search and rescue task force and talk about the importance of preparing for the hurricane season. The Department of Agriculture's Hemp Advisory Committee meets by conference call at 3. U.S. Senator Rick Scott holds a roundtable discussion at 3 with small business owners in Miami to talk about the impact of inflation, which he blames on wasteful spending in Washington. He'll hold a news conference after the roundtable. And the Space Florida Board of Directors meets by phone at 4. Police in the Tampa Bay area are searching for a Florida man who's been stealing money intended for families of cancer kids. He's been taking donation boxes for Ronald McDonald House, a charity that provides a free place to stay for families of children who are undergoing cancer treatments. Investigators say the guy drives up on a red motorcycle, uses bolt cutters to snap the lock, drapes a jacket over the collection box, and then walks away with the cash. He's gotten away with it seven times in Pasco, Polk, and Hillsborough counties. No one knows how much money he's stolen from the sick kids, but Crime Stoppers is offering a $5,000 reward. Finally today, a Florida couple is caught in the act, having sex inside a kiddie tunnel at a public playground. It was 9 in the morning when officers were sent to Pocahontas Park in Vero Beach. They found Jermaine Jackson on top of Sharon Finn, who was lying on her back, completely exposed with her jean shorts down around her ankles. When police asked them what was going on, Finn told them they were making out. Jackson was a bit more graphic, telling the cops he'd been performing oral sex on his gal, a practice sometimes known as Florida feed bag. They'd also been drinking four loco and vodka, so police ended up charging the Florida couple with possession of an open container. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 